Good evening. Good night. Good morning. I don't know what it is. I'm at the hockey cabin. Rob Simpson, SeattleHockeyInsider.com. John Forsland, voice of hockey on network television. And of course, Root Sports Northwest, Seattle Kraken. Hi, John. Hi, Simmer. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Ready for some. You look good. You look good tonight. You look rustic as always, which is which is good. Rustic, utilizing the hockey mm-hmm. cabin these days. Yeah. Uh, got the lid. That's We're good. Lids. Um, yeah, Climate Pledge Arena. We should just start right there. Well, we, we're not going to jump there yet because we got to start the clock. 25 minutes tonight, John. Take it easy okay. on you so you can get to your martini. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 25 minutes. So pick a number 25. In honor of whom? I'm going to go with Jacques Lemaire. Ooh, good one. Okay. I think he was a, a player that would have uh, crossed over from era to era very easily because he was strong in all three zones, could play with great players, could skate. And I think his coaching career showed us how smart he is and was as a player. So I don't know. I didn't like the Montreal Canadiens much when I was a kid because I was a Boston Bruin fan. But I respected him, and you had, you had to respect the line of Lemaire, Shutt, and Lafleur, one of the best lines all time. Do you remember watching 1978 and the Too Many Men on the Ice? Yeah, I do. I do. I remember that distinctly. And I also remember him scoring from, I think, uh, just inside the red line against Tony Esposito in the early 70s in, at Chicago Stadium. Yep. I remember that, too. But... You know, I, I, the great thing about it was growing up watching him play. And then as I worked in the game, getting to know him a little bit, and he was always good with his time with us. And he was always teaching. And he was always teaching about the right way to play and how he had those Devils teams prepared to play. And uh, really, really uh, fascinating to talk to. Yeah. Jacques Lemaire. Uh, the, uh, Nine cups, something like that. Yeah, one of the legends of the half. Yeah. Um, it's funny you brought up that shot from center ice. I was rooting for, I was a little kid. It was 71, 1971. We're all the Canadians winning, respected them, but we're sick of them. Right. Of course they kept winning anyway, but I remember that shot. And I remember just being downtrodden. I think I was seven years old and me and my brothers all played hockey and just remember being bummed out. But what are you going to do? Tony Esposito, who actually became a decent acquaintance over time. Uh, unbelievably great guy he seemed yeah. to have trouble with point like he had trouble historically with long-range shots was yeah, he didn't have trouble with much but i think you're right yeah, yeah. that was his, yeah. maybe his one weakness all right i'm going way off the board here bud going back to the red wings and i'm taking number 25 darren mccarty wow yeah i have this we did i did a red wings book uh about a decade and a half ago i guess it was somewhere in there and um, there's this unbelievable picture of Darren McCarty in a fight just absolutely landing. Only five guys were on all four Red Wings Stanley Cup championship teams during that run, 97, 98, 02, and 08. Three of them were, were uh, the grind line guys or a combination of them, right. Draper, Maltby, McCarty, right. Nick Lidstrom. Right. And the last one was Thomas Holmstrom. Wow. Um, by the way, I brought up that 02 Cup, and we've brought this up before in the past. Sometimes players remember the losses more than the wins. And Ron Fred says, sure enough, chatting with him, he's like, oh, God, I 
You were there. Yeah, they won the first game. He scored in overtime in the Dominator. Yep. And they could have won the second game. Marty Jelena took a penalty that probably wasn't a penalty and put the wings in the power play late, and they scored. Went back to Raleigh, and that was a triple overtime game. And Carolina dominated lion's share of that game. And, uh, you know, late goal, Brett Hall, sixth attacker, high tip. And uh, Igor Larionov in triple overtime. 109 a.m. Eastern ended that night. <laughs> and then that was it. They, uh, it was a five-game series. It was a little closer than the five games, but the better team won. 70 million payroll versus 30 million. Yeah, that was crazy. And just before the advent of the cap, uh, just a few years later. Yeah. And look at you still whining about the Jelena penalty. Yeah, it was a bad call. <laughs> bad call. Forget the referee. Bad call. I would have to look up who that referee was. I've been talking to a lot of referees lately. Uh, all right. I probably know him. Um, let's get into this. We're we're already four and a half into our 25, which is okay. okay. I'll see you. Home cooking. Climate Pledge Arena, John Forza. Yeah. It was a struggle last year. It can't be a struggle this year because right now they're coming home with an 0-2-1 and mark. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a little history. Last year, they, their first five games, one, two, and two. So in other words, mm-hmm. crack fans, don't panic. Mm-hmm. And that included an 0-2-1 at home. Yeah. And they ended up going 4-4-2 four, four, and two in October by the time it was over, and they were off confident, right. confidently into right. November. So a, a rocky start, but they're coming home, which has not been great for them. How do you explain it? I guess you can't. Can you? Well, I don't know if you could connect uh, one year to the next and, you know, so many different things here. Just the whole cooking, um, I mean. I, I Yeah, I, I know that you know, when you look at the when you look at the schedule, when you look at the 10 games that they play in October and seven of those are on the road, um, it's hard. And I, and I I was looking and still look for around 10 points. I thought if they can pick up 10 points in October, they're going to have a great year. If it's a little bit less, it's going to be more, they're going to be pressed a little bit more. If it's a lot less, we might have to get really get concerned. I'm not overly concerned right now, even though they scored two goals in in, uh, in three games. Um, I'm, I'm, I was expecting that. Um, I thought each game they got better, and I think they could have easily won in Nashville, and they deserved to win, I think, in St. Louis. And unfortunately, they didn't. And the shootout makes you feel... That's why I can't stand the shootout. The shootout makes you feel terrible when the team you're rooting for loses. Makes you feel like everything's okay if the team you're rooting for wins. It's kind of deceiving. I don't like it. I don't think we should determine a hockey game that way. Maybe some of the fans enjoy it. I'm not sure that they all do. Uh, It was a novelty at the beginning. That's probably a different conversation for another time. But I've always been negative on the shootout and remain that way. But how did they play in St. Louis? They played well. They they were more consistent across the board. Uh, everybody was going in the right direction at the same time. That was not always the case in Nashville, and it wasn't the case at all in Las Vegas. Um, so now they come home. Is it an easy fix at home just because they're at home? No, not when you're playing Colorado, Carolina, and the New York Rangers. No. But in order to get some confidence back, the way to look at it positively is you beat these teams. You get little momentum back on your side. You get energy back on your side. And then all of a sudden, you're feeling okay. And an interesting conversation on the road with Justin Schultz. 
And he said, you know, we just need, and this is before the St. Louis game. He said, we just need to see a couple of things drop and we'll get some confidence. It's hard to believe that a veteran group like this that had the success they had last year would be feeling that way. But I think that they were, they were pressing as that road trip uh, continued in the first week of the season. It's time to get home and, and play the right way and dictate how you want to play. And if the chips fall positively, then you're going to be all right. Then you're then you're going to be riding a little bit of an early season crest. That's what they need right now because, as you know, they go back east again. It's not an easy schedule to give them a little bit of an out. This is a very difficult first month of the season for any team, but certainly for a Western team considering, you know, the, the frequency of games and the travel. Well, I just wrote shootout down, down for future yeah, can't, uh, discussion. Can't get into it now, but we'll, we'll I didn't like it in the we tried it in the 80s with, with our good friend Bruce Boudreaux back in the American Hockey League. And I thought, I'll never see this again. And then here we are in 2005. And it was, uh, hey, we're going to have a shootout in the National Hockey League. This is exciting. Yeah, And it was when it started, but it isn't anymore. Yeah. Take well, a look at take a look at Evgeny Kuznetsov from tonight. I know I saw it. Well, since you brought up Gabby, well, we do Simmer and Gabby for the Vancouver Market podcast. And uh he had some love for you. He was really appreciating your your um, your rant about the <laughs> about the uh, power play rules and the Champions League. You know, keeping the two minutes, keep the guy in the box, score as many times as you can. He loved it, and he agreed with you. And he actually brought up some additional good points. But hold on a sec. This is this is him talking about you and Springfield, nineteen eighty six. Like my good friend John Forslund said. He was passionate. I thought he was going to uh, come outside the, the microphone there and start yelling. <laughs> because you know what? I John first started with me, eh? Like, I mean, in 1986, we were in Springfield together, and our team couldn't score a goal in the power play if our life was on it, uh, <laughs> on life support. But, I mean, it. Uh, uh, he's a great guy, and I really uh, think he knows his hockey, too. So uh, oh, yeah. I agree with him. Yeah, he knows his stuff. In fact, before, uh, last time we chatted right before the season, he said the Kraken were going to have trouble scoring. Well, here we are uh, three games into the season. And they've scored well, if you look at their short, scoring shooting percentage from last year, it was way above expected. And Well, that was pretty nice. That was great. I, I love that guy. And and we go, think about him. Um, Gabby knew when he played everything that was happening in every league before everybody else did. And this is obviously way, way before the internet, way before any kind of communication existed. You had to read the hockey news. And for our new fans and younger fans, it was a publication that came out every week and you would read it cover to cover to yep. find out what was happening in the National League, the American League, the International League, the old Central League, the Atlantic Coast League at the time, college hockey, junior hockey, it was all there. And uh, but Gabby had to get on the phone and call people that he knew and reporters and he had to get scoops. And he was well aware of everything. So we talked uh, long and hard on those long bus rides. He treated me with a ton of respect. I learned a lot about the game from him. And he was a pro's pro. There's no doubt about it. And I love the fact that he had the success he had as a head coach. And I had the opportunity to cover him in, in many, many different circumstances, playoff series, uh, the whole nine yards. Yeah. And the fans love them as they should. Yeah. So just how bad was that Springfield power play? <laughs> I don't think it was as bad as he said it was. I don't think it was as bad as he said it was. It could have been. 
Um, one other thing while we're slightly off topic, I did have a, a call and an email um, from our first podcast when you said the fighting is going the way of the mongoose. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a couple people say, wait, whoa, what? What's are the mongoose okay? What's wrong? Are the mongoose going extinct? And I said, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really. Yeah. Know. I it's one was, to think about. Ponder that for a while. There's actually third. I looked it up. <laughs> there's about thirty species of mongoose. Mm -hmm. They are little bastards. I didn't realize that. Not yeah. only do they kill snakes, <laughs> they'll eat rabbits. Like they're carnivorous yeah. little bugs. Yeah. 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 Anyway, the mongoose are fine, folks. Uh, okay. I think you know. Usually, it's go the way of the dodo. <laughs> When you threw out the mongoose, I had some people Way of the mongoose. asking me and laughing about it. It was pretty good. I loved it. Um, all right. So this uh, Kraken team is no Tanev. He's four to six weeks. So yeah. he's in the head by Howden, falls down. And as he's falling, he twists his leg. And that's the problem, apparently. So he's out for a while, which just means basically Cartier's in. Yamamoto's in as well. But Dave Haxtell experimented at practice on Monday. Burakovsky down. Bjorkstrand up in the middle six. I mean, it does that mean that's going to happen in the game? We wait and see. But that's sometimes just a simple juggle can help. Yeah, and I think there's enough history uh, with Bjorkstrand and Wenberg, you know, that 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 would that would be interesting to look at. I don't know. I think there could be more coming. I think they were thinking about it going into St. Louis. They decided to give it one more shot. I think the reviews were decent enough that you keep the majority of the players together. Tanev is um, obviously it's too bad. Uh, hopefully, you know, he, he can beat the timeline on that. The quicker he gets back, the better. Uh, the first season here, we all know what happened when he injured his knee and the type of life that was kind of sucked out of the team. Yeah. I think there's a chance that some of that can be replenished with the hard work of Ty Cartier. I think he can play a, a similar game, maybe obviously with not as much experience, but he can certainly play the body and skate and get in on the forecheck and be tenacious and do the things that Turbo does. Um, but there's no question that they're going to miss a player like that. But you know what? They were very fortunate last season. That's the one thing I think we touched on it in training camp. They were very lucky with injuries. So these things are, are going to happen and your depth is called upon and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, very healthy club last year. Cartier would be an upgrade in terms of the finish. Should be, should be. It, 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 it looks that way. It looks that way, you know. But until it happens, yeah, you got to reserve judgment. You know, this is this is not an easy trick, the National Hockey League, and it's not easy now that he's forced into a regular season uh, rotation without the adrenaline of a call-up in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, to be fair, I think he did great, but I think it, uh, that helped him. And so now he's got to maintain that energy consistently and channel it in the right direction and do it every other day for a long time. That's how great... Uh, excellent players are in the National Hockey League. They're able to do it over a long period of time. Um, the mark of anybody who's great at anything is consistency, right? And that's that's a key. Yeah, he's just entering the grind. The other, right. thing, the other thing you brought up earlier is, is confidence. And we've been around long enough to know it. In any walk of life, regardless of the yeah. task, job, gig, confidence, yeah. it's 95% of it. I hate to break the news to anybody, but it's that simple. Um one area that we were a little concerned about watching Philip Grubauer in training camp was goaltending. 
I don't think we have any complaints in the first no. three games about goaltending. No, no. Um, both guys played outstanding. And uh, so that was a, a, a box you wanted to check. And, and I'm glad that they were able to do that out of the three games. Um, and again, uh, for, for both goalies, it's, it's a consistent level. And, um, you know, the way it looks, Simmer, it looks like the Kraken team game is back on, on a pace to be very uh, shot suppressant, defensive, defensively conscious. Um, and at times that can be harder on a goalie. You know, um, Decord did an excellent job of not seeing the puck for long stretches and then making big saves in St. Louis. And Gruby was able to do the same thing. You know, uh, Nashville, I think he was called upon to make more. Um, certainly Vegas was a good start for him, too. So, um, you know, I, I, I think you'll see more of Decord as we move along here. I think the schedule warrants it. So I think one of the three home games probably see Decord. And obviously Grubauer will play against his former team and playoff foe on Tuesday night, but then we'll go from there and see what happens. Yeah. Kraken have given up, uh, what have they given up? They've given up uh, three non-empty net goals, two non-empty net goals, one non-empty net goal. So that's their defensive effort so far. And their penalty kills 11 for 11. Yeah. And they don't they don't give up anything so far in turn, you know, how many how many power plays did St. Louis have without a shot, you know, the other night? Um, their up ice pressure is good, their sticks are in lanes, their bodies are in lanes, they're they're making good decisions and covering for each other. And I think Belmar uh really adds to the mix. I mean, they've added a quality player there that can also win a shorthanded faceoff, which is very important. And by the way, I think it was the first period of that last game. 70% draws yeah. in favor yeah. of the Kraken. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah, they 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 picked it up. They 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 met a challenge there and uh and uh Maddie Beniers was better because his first two games were not very good in the face-off circle along with some of the rest of his uh his game not to his level and that seemed to turn a corner in St. Louis too and hopefully that trend continues. Um it's only one game for each. Well, I mean, obviously Stanley cup champions in Vegas, we don't need to go there necessarily, but Nashville and maybe St. Louis enter into the wild card picture potentially. Cause you never know uh, because of course, top three in the Pacific go to the playoffs, top three in the central. And then the next two, those wild card spots can come from either. Right. So did anything or any one element or persons impress you from those two clubs in particular? No, just, uh, I just think that they're, they're improved. And, and I think there's uh, different ways to improve. And in St. Louis's case, it's, it starts with their goalie. I mean, Jordan Biddington was great in Dallas and equally great against uh, the Kraken. So that was good. In Nashville's case, they've surrounded their young players who were forced into a circumstance after last year's trading deadline to play a lot. They got their feet wet and they were baptized, so to speak. It worked out. But they've added some key pieces with some veteran guys like Ryan O'Reilly. You look at their lineup now and, and um, you know, they've insulated younger players with some real good quality and they have a terrific goalie and a coach that's going to play a different style. You know, John Hines was really defensive, 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 and he's a he's a good coach in that way. But it looks like Andrew Burnett will release the horses a little bit like he did in Florida. And it might be the perfect mix for that team, you know, because they, they do have some firepower. 
They do have some defensemen like Yossi that can really get active offensively. When you got a defenseman that can that has picked up 85 to 90 points, you know, that's a special, that's a special player, right? So you have to exploit that. So yeah, they're going to be in the mix. You know, it's going to be very interesting. And uh again, we're in that, we're in that race out of the shoot. We've only been at this a week. And, and it feels like you're checking the scoreboard and you're and you're looking around to see what's happening. And that's a little bit of a reach. But then again, it's not, you know, that's kind of the way the game is today. I'm glad you brought up where the Kraken were at the outset of last season, because at the outset of last season, after the, the, the loss, the overtime loss in Anaheim on night, number one, the win in Los Angeles, uh, there was a little flight snafu. They got back late. They had a day, which wasn't really a day. And then they played Vegas and were smoked at home and they were chasing the tail and Carolina beat them five to one. And, you know, it was, it was uh, looking for improvement there somewhere. I think St. Louis was the next team and it was uh, so, so, but then they were able to get to the point in November where they were so consistent, those winning streaks started to come. And for that to happen again, they're going to have to be better in a lot of different areas than they've already shown in the three games. So um, hopefully the building blocks are in place. We'll see. And Oh, by the way, Three to two victory on the road, October twenty first at Colorado against the defending champs was the pivotal October moment. It was, and, and that was a brilliant game. Yeah, that was a brilliant game for Grubauer, and then he got hurt in the third period, and that's when Martin Jones came in and actually won the game with by stopping one shot. So because oh, yeah. he was easy. in the game, he was in the game when the game was decided. Right, so by rule, he's the goalie of record, so he won that game. Ruby did all the work. Extra thing I thought about uh, when you were talking about Nashville and Andrew Burnett releasing the horses. Players like players like it that I mean, yeah, they do. Not, they want to win, but they yeah. also they also want to get after it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one element of special teams we didn't cover, and that's the power play. And we talked about the great penalty kill, not so great power play. Are we just seeing more of the same? Are we just seeing a lack of firepower? The only thing I'll say about it, and I want to see more of it, I've always been um, not too concerned with the power play in the early season. I think to be fair to the players, the way training camp is set up nowadays, they don't practice it much at all in preseason. Uh, you got different bodies, different combinations, and there isn't enough time. The coaches don't have the players enough to really get after it. So it's usually a, a thing. Some teams are hot right away, and it's just a byproduct of being hot. And it might go away a little bit and other teams, you know, slowly get to it. The, the one thing I will say about this is I'm a little bit baffled by, and we'll see what happens Tuesday, uh, Jared McCann being used in a bumper position on, on one of the power play units. Um, they must have their reasons. They're, they're a lot better at this than I am. Um, but for me, he was outstanding on the flank, outstanding skating downhill with the puck and shooting you know, on that short side all the time with a terrific shot. To me, it seems like a real weapon. There might be somebody else that's more suited for that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to scratch my head and remember McCann previous to the Kraken, and I, I remember him in Pittsburgh even being utilized on a, on a point. But I never remember him as a bumper guy, unless right. I'm totally wrong about this. So right. we'll see, you know, why as we move forward, and we'll see what happens there. But I do think they started to zing it more in St. Louis. And the old uh, cliche in hockey, I think, is really prevalent, too. That 
A power play is always an extension of your five-on-five game. It's awfully hard to have some deficiencies five-on-five, and it it appears this team is struggling to score. How do you just snap your fingers because you're a man up and automatically you start to score? Sometimes it's a head game, and it's worse. You know, so those are things that have to kind of work themselves out in the early stages of a season. I, I don't get too overly concerned about it. I know the Kraken were 21st with their power play last year, and Vegas was 18th. And Vegas is, you know, it's a fraction in terms of the stat line, the percentage. And one team won the Stanley Cup. The other team went two rounds. So and the Bruins won the Cup in 2011 with a god-awful power play. It can be done. It's not ideal. And maybe the game today is a little bit more suited for power play. It seems that way, the way some teams are are run and have success. But I'm not too concerned about that. I'm more concerned about their balance, their consistency, their willingness to go to the inside of the ice to get second and third chances, their willingness to screen the goalies and not make the goalies have clean looks at every opportunity, because then you're just watering down those analytical numbers that tell you they're high danger or they're getting scoring chances they're getting opportunities but what do they look like you know the, the jordan binnington was very good but you know how many second and thirds did he have to make in that game you know where where was all of that that's a work in progress if we're fair about this we'll save it because we're coming up on our darren mccarty jacques lemaire time limit but uh yeah okay. second chance opportunities really leaped out at me watching those first three games this yeah second no, they, there's no they, they can be they can be more relentless and crank crank up the urgency and the other thing too to keep in mind for the and for our fans is this too and the players have talked about it the entire training camp and so does dave haxtell teams are ready the opponents are ready for the seattle kraken this is not a surprise anymore right the you grind, know they they the know how they play yeah. they want them and that's why i think colorado is a great one to start at home with because Colorado wants them bad. Yeah. Right. So this should be a heck of a hockey game. And if the Kraken can come out on the winning side of it, there goes your confidence, right? Yep. There goes the, everything's back again. So uh, there's no reason to panic about anything. Uh, it's just a, an arduous month of October that we got to look at it game by game. Uh, by the way, speaking of fans, for new fans, when John talks about the bumper position, that's the guy kind of in the middle. He shimmies around in that that slot area. He's kind of he'll turn to, if the puck reverses. He's always facing that direction, ready to unleash a shot from inside that that slot area if possible. That's the bumper. He's the table yeah. hockey guy. Yeah, he's the table hockey center. And if and then McCann on the flank. In his case, it was usually in the left wing faceoff circle. And if people want to visualize that, just look at Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, for what half his goals probably more Um, usually lining up for one timers in the left wing circle Uh, listen to that sound oh my god that's the final buzzer Uh, you know what I'm going to do though John we'll save this for next time but because the game is so fast approaching here um, as we record this today tonight give me one guy can't don't don't get in descriptions do you feel is going to maybe break out? Burkowski. Burkowski. There it is. Without question. Without right. question. He's okay. scoring Tuesday night. Okay. Ooh. How's that? Ooh. <laughs> even, even right about everything else. So I don't know. I, I just feel it's uh, it needs to be there. Well, he's, it's also his former team, too. So he's it's his former team. He, he's getting better. 
you know, with his game speed, he's a long, it's a long way back from that injury for him to be fair to him, but he is, he's knocking on the door. And if the line tweaks uh, help, if that's the case on Tuesday night, good. But I think he's starting to skate with conviction and he just needs to hit the net a little bit more. Um, but I think he's, he's, he's ready to bust out. He'd be my pick. Oh, by the way, if Jacques Lemaire was coaching this podcast, he we'd be bag skating right now because we're so late. Went overtime. <laughs> yeah, we're missing, true. Missing the power play meeting. Yeah, uh, John, great stuff. We'll see you at the rink, and I hope right, you enjoyed somewhere. the road. And you're going to have another road trip coming up, but you'll get. I know you'll adjust just fine. When's your first national game? First national game will be October 29th. Oh, it's coming up. It's the Heritage uh, Heritage Classic game. Okay, it's coming up. Thanks, Forzy. See you at the rink. Hey, Simmer. Take care. Thanks. Simmer and Forsland. It is SeattleHockeyInsider.com. Insider.com.